Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 765 for the 15th of October, 2021. This week, Windows includes a disk management application that can be used to define partitions, create logical drives, format drives, change drive letters, and more. But that's not always enough. Let's take a look at AOMI's Partition Assistant and see how even the free version offers more. In short circuits, Microsoft has been working to replace the control panel with a settings app for the past nine years. Windows 11 brings that process much closer to completion. Two months ago, I described the process of eliminating the television part of our home's cable service. Now it's time to review the results and see if the decision was a good one. In spare parts, only on the website, YouTube at last has decided to block anti-vaccine videos and ban accounts of the idiots who claim the vaccines that have saved lives for nearly a century are dangerous. Holiday shopping for high-tech devices might be derailed this year by a shortage of computer chips, so maybe you'll have to go low-tech instead. And 20 years ago, the Palm Pilot was hot in 2001. Everybody wanted one. Then smartphones arrived and personal digital assistants became unnecessary. Windows includes a disk management application. It can define partitions, create logical drives, format drives, change drive letters, and more. But sometimes it's not always enough. If one of the disk drives in your computer seems to be having a problem, the Check Disk command line utility can find and repair some problems, but it's clumsy to use. Instead, third-party partition managers that perform all of the disk management consoles, functions, and more can be helpful. There are free open-source applications, but many users will find a commercial application such as the AOMI Partition Assistant to be a better choice. Two primary versions exist, Partition Assistant Standard, which is free, and Partition Assistant Professional for $50. They're the primary choices, but there are also versions for servers, unlimited use, and technicians. The first use case example is the Disk Surface Test. It's a function that checks a disk drive for errors. The disk I used to test this function is a half-terabyte M2 solid-state device. The quick check was done in less than 30 seconds. The deeper test took about half an hour, running at 230 megabytes per second. The test is intended to identify bad sectors on the drive. The defects can affect the disk drive's physical media or be the result of logic errors. Logical errors can be corrected by rebuilding the drive structure. If the physical damage is present, bad sectors can be marked as unusable so that the drive will no longer attempt to write any data there. And right now, before we go any further, here's a little warning. The disk surface test is non-destructive. Feel free to use it on any disk drive without any fear that it will damage or destroy data. That is not true about all functions of any disk partition manager. 
choosing the wrong function or using the right function on the wrong physical or logical disk drive can destroy some or all of the data on the disk. Many years ago, I used the correct partition manager function, but I used it on the wrong disk drive. The computer was probably my first with more than a single disk drive. I had intended to clear the existing partitions from a disk drive that I had planned to use as the machine's secondary drive. But I accidentally selected the main drive and destroyed all of the programs and data on the drive. Fortunately, I had a backup for the data, but the operating system and all of the applications had to be reinstalled. For several years after that, I unplugged the data cables from any installed drive other than the one I was working on. That's really not necessary, and I don't do it anymore, but it is important to always understand exactly what each function will do and confirm that you're running the function on the right drive. So treat any disk partition manager the way you'd treat a bandsaw. Used with care, it can make intricate cuts in wood. Used carelessly, it can remove a thumb, a finger, or a hand. And that's the end of the caution statement. What's a little surprising about the AOMI Partition Assistant is that even the free version has a lot of features. The Windows Partition Manager is an adequate utility, but full partition managers, such as AOMI's, have more features and more capabilities. To continue that bandsaw analogy, not everyone needs a bandsaw. So does everybody need a partition manager? Need one or not, Windows does come with one. So maybe the better question is, do you need a better partition manager? And if you say yes to that, the next question is, do you need the free version or the paid version? The free version includes the ability to create, merge, check, format, clone, delete, resize, hide, unhide, and move partitions, initialize and clone disks, perform a surface test, rebuild the master boot record, change the drive letter and label, and set the active partition. The paid version adds the ability to split a partition, allocate free space, align partitions, and change the disk's serial number. It also includes command line partitioning for those who prefer to work from the command line. So to help answer those questions, let's consider a few of the other tasks the partition assistant can perform in addition to being able to test for disk defects. Installing a new disk drive is when most people need a partition manager. A physical drive can be partitioned to appear as more than one logical drive. One of the disk drives attached to my primary computer is a 2TB device with two partitions. 1TB for drive E, which has websites and graphics, and 1TB for drive G, which has downloads, family videos, and temporary files used by Audition. After creating a partition on a physical disk, you need to format it. Partition Assistant supports NTFS, FAT32, Expanded FAT, and the extended options 2, 3, and 4 that are used for Linux. If you decide later that you'd like to modify the partition sizes, Partition Assistant can handle that task. If, for example, I decided that drive E should be smaller and drive G should be larger, I can use the application to make E smaller and then expand G to use the extra space. 
Partition Assistant can be used to clone an entire physical disk or a logical drive. If you replace a mechanical drive with a solid-state drive to improve a computer's operation, you'll need to move everything that's on the boot drive to the new drive. The copy process cannot handle that because there are hidden partitions on a Windows boot disk. Partition Assistant makes migrating the operating system easy. And Partition Assistant can help with privacy. When you're giving a computer or disk away or selling it, just deleting the files on the drive doesn't eliminate the files that were there on the disk. The information is still there. It can still be recovered. Even formatting the drive doesn't make the data unrecoverable. AOMI includes a file shredder function that obliterates the data. So is the paid version worth the cost? Well, the standard version is free. It includes all of the essential features. Professional version costs $50, and it does add a few nice-to-have features. AOMI also has a disk backup application called Backupper with a free standard version and a professional version that sells for $50. Although shown on the website as good for 72 hours, the company's offer to include Partition Assistant for a few dollars extra with the purchase of the backup application seems to be an ongoing offer. By checkout time, the two applications combined cost a little less than $50, which is the fair price that should have been listed instead of playing games with discounts. Both applications are good, and I'll have more about the backup application in a few weeks. So the bottom line, five cats for Partition Assistant. If you need a partition manager, this is a great choice. The free or standard version is adequate for most needs, but the paid version does add a few extra functions. The combo that includes the backup application and the partition manager is a good deal, although not quite the super sale that AOMI says it is. The super deal would be the free versions of the applications, but software developers do deserve to be paid for their efforts. $50 for two very useful utilities seems fair. You can find additional details if you'd like them on the AOMI website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In Short Circuits, the Settings app was introduced with Windows 8 as a replacement for the control panel. That was nine years ago. Microsoft has improved and expanded settings, and the migration of features is nearly complete with Windows 11. Don't look for the control panel to disappear, though. The control panel is still used for some advanced adjustments, but the Settings app is now sufficiently comprehensive to be the first option for users to select. The first Settings app offered just a few control panel functions. Windows 8.1 added functions that were previously available only in the control panel. As an admission that Settings was incomplete, that app included a link directly to the control panel. Many additional features have been added to Settings during the Windows 10 years. 
Settings now includes areas for system, devices, accounts, phone synchronization, personalization, apps, network and internet, time and language, ease of access, updates and security, gaming, and privacy. The current version of settings, the one that came with Windows 21H2, received a significant visual update. Windows 11 users will see additional visual refinements and a reorganization of the primary settings categories. The main panel now has 11 major categories, system, Bluetooth and devices, network and internet, personalization, apps, accounts, time and language, gaming, accessibility, privacy and security, and Windows Update. But the control panel is still there for the few remaining functions that are not present in settings. And even when every control panel setting has been migrated, the control panel will probably remain because Microsoft rarely deletes functions that are no longer needed. Your computer probably doesn't have a modem, and yet you'll find options to set up a modem and to define your area code and dialing rules. Selecting the option to set up a modem from the control panel displays an error from settings. Is the modem connected, it asks? Is the modem switched on? Well, the answer to both of those questions will be no, because there is no modem in the computer. I haven't had a modem in one of my computers for probably close to 20 years. Now, that's probably an unfair example, because some computer users are still saddled with that obsolete technology. Even version 11 of Windows will contain some features that are no longer being used by anyone anywhere. They are retained in part because removing them would save very little disk space. And because any change can introduce unintended results, leaving those antiques in place is the safer option. Two months ago, I described the process of eliminating the cable television service from my internet service provider. Now seemed a good time to assess the changes and figure out if I made the right decision. The primary objective was to reduce costs without losing programs that my wife likes to watch. Prior to the change, I spent little time with the television and usually watched DVDs and occasional news programs. My news sources tend to be newspaper online sites, so I was less concerned about what might be available via cable. The medium cable plan we had subscribed to cost $100 per month, plus $21 for local stations, plus $14 for two cable receivers, plus a $5 sports surcharge, plus $14 for a cable modem. The internet fee was just $51. With taxes, surcharges, and other incidental fees, the cost had risen to $216.63 every month, nearly $2,600 a year. So first, how'd we do with cost reduction? Well, the internet fee is still $51 a month, but the downlink speed is now 500 megabits per second instead of 100. We purchased one Roku streaming stick for each of the three televisions, total one-time cost, $115. We subscribed to the Fubo streaming service for $69.70 monthly. I am an Amazon Prime subscriber, and some videos are included with the subscription. So let's allocate, oh, save $5 per month of the annual fee to Amazon Prime Television. We also have a Netflix account for about $10 a month, including tax. Because Hulu offers some programs that I wanted to watch, I added their lowest-cost ad-supported subscription. 
$7 a month. I purchased a cable modem for a one-time fee of about $140. That eliminates the $14 monthly modem charge, and it'll pay for itself after 10 months. So our monthly expenditure for the Internet and television streaming is about $143 a month, a savings of about $74 a month, or around $900 a year. All right, I'll count that as a win. But what about the content we have access to? Well, that turned out to be a surprise. We knew that we could easily receive all of the local stations and their sub-channels, a total of more than 30 channels. I rarely watch the local channels or any of the sub-channels, and that hasn't changed much. Roku offers a free channel that people can watch even if they don't have a Roku device. The channel offers some original programming, a lot of ancient television like Starsky and Hutch and I Dream of Genie. It also provides a lot of additional streaming services. Some are free with advertising, some have limited free options, usually with advertising, and some require fully paid subscriptions. Roku has recently added a live TV channel where viewers can find several hundred channels that include dedicated services, such as continuous Doc Martin or Hunter episodes, children's programming, and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's news channel. Netflix, Amazon Prime's limited selections, and Hulu are all accessed directly from the Roku main screen, along with YouTube, Tubiplex, PBS, ABC, CBS, NBC, the Internet Movie Database, and a bunch of other free services that are mostly supported by advertising. I've also added Hoopla to the Roku main screen. This is a service that's offered for free and without commercials from some libraries. Users can view up to 20 programs per month. I've been watching the serialization of Stephen King's Mr. Mercedes trilogy here. Adding Hulu gave me access to A Handmaid's Tale, which I've wanted to watch, and only Murders in the Building, that's a new comic murder series with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. I've also added the 1990s BBC police procedural Prime Suspect starring Helen Mirren and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The main streaming service, Fubo, started out as primarily a sports service, but it has added dozens of other options such as BBC America, MSNBC, Comedy Central, Sundance TV, the Smithsonian Channel, Fox and FX, the National Geographic Channel, Paramount, Sci-Fi, and lots of sports options. So many that I recently watched an Ohio State Buckeyes football game for the first time in maybe 20 years. In short, I have been spending a lot more time with the television than at any time in decades. Phyllis has found some new programs that she likes, and she's recommended to me some programs she found that she'd watched when they were on over-the-air television several years ago. So, I guess that's a win, too. Lower cost, better internet service, more programs. Overall, I'm happy with the results. <laughs> I hope you'll like the results of reading spare parts, too. Direct your browser to the TechBiter Worldwide website, scroll down a bit, and this week you'll find these articles. YouTube has decided to block anti-vaccine videos and ban accounts of the idiots who claim the vaccines that have saved lives for nearly a century are dangerous. Holiday shopping for high-tech devices might be derailed this year by a shortage of computer chips, so maybe you'll have to go low-tech instead. And 20 years ago, the Palm Pilot was hot in 2001. Everybody wanted one. Then smartphones came along, and personal digital assistance became unnecessary. 
Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.